Yes, welcome back to Atypically Topical. Did you find some dried skin? What was that? <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just found it on my laptop, and so I took it off, and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like and right as I looked up. Yeah. You were just like putting your fingers together in some... Oh, some dust from your computer or something. Yeah. It's a new computer, it too. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Anyways, how's it going? All right. You know. Pretty good. Yeah, just chilling. Um, I learned today that uh, my passport is almost... <laughs> oh, yeah. At, like, the old, the picture in it is from me in high school. Oh, God, yeah. And it's, like... look very different. Yeah, it's not the best picture, so... <laughs> it's probably a good thing that you can <laughs> renew it soon. Yeah, so I'm hoping to... Um, I'm going to do that, hopefully, because if we do international travel at some point, yeah, that would be good, be to, good to go. Yeah. yeah, That's Mindy over there, by the way. I'm Hi. Josh. We can do the What's intros, up? even though we don't really need to do those anymore. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll have to do that at some point. I mean, we're probably not going to travel internationally anytime that soon, but yeah. maybe in 2022. or Yeah, I need to work on also changing my name. So yeah. <laughs> We've been married since uh, November, and... Hey, I, but yeah, I'm, I get I'm, it. I don't I, really. I know I want to care. do it. It's just, <laughs> it's just. A you want to hyphenate it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's. Not, I think it sounds better that way. Yeah, I think it sounds cool, especially if you don't know Spanish, mm-hmm. because you don't know what it actually means. And you're <laughs> like, oh, that's just a very Hispanic-sounding name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been a few weeks since we recorded last. Um, well, yeah, it's been a while because yeah. I. Um, and I also took a while to get the last one out, but um, eventually got it out. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to have any rhyme or reason for when these come out. I try to make them Mondays, so if you see them on Mondays, that means I did my, <laughs> I was good that week, but otherwise I'm probably busy. Uh, but anyways, so I guess since the last episode for Quarantine Corner, well, we had a wedding. My um, uh, friend Andrew, who used to engineer this podcast, mm-hmm. and, Helped us at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Andrew and Michelle, they've been on the podcast together. They've also been on a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Crazy Medical Stories. Listen to that one. That's always one of the go-to ones if you want to get into the um, into the show. Mm-hmm. All these funny stuff happened in that one. He got married, him and Michelle, on, the, on their 10th anniversary. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I got to do a um, best man speech. My first one good. I've ever done. It was pretty good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was nervous, but um, I, I kind of was like... Maybe I should tell that the story real quick on this. Yeah, as soon as like you, you brought it up, <laughs> Candy and Gibo were laughing their asses off. Yeah, yeah, my sister. Yeah, because um, so basically, I'll, I'll tell it real quick since it's you know whoever because there's some people that haven't been able to hear it, and you know you have to pretty much tell a funny story at a best man speech. So um, quickly, like I grew up next to him, uh, next door to him, and he was. I think he was apparently three whenever I just first moved, which is crazy mm-hmm. to me. But uh, I'm only like five, six years older than he is. So, um, you know, after a while, you know, we started playing basketball all the time and we became close. And then um, after he moved um, from next door, he moved somewhere else. There would be, you know, sometimes he would stay over, like, you'd, you know, play video games and stuff. And he stayed... I have I had like a small room at the time, so he would just like bring a sleeping bag or sleep on like a big blanket on the ground, and I would sleep on my bed. And uh, there was one time where it was us, and then my dad's room is next door, like right next to our room, uh, my room. So um, I just I went to sleep. I then I just woke up to my dad, and he's like, "Hey, um, Andrew's in my bed." <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he just like, you know, he got me up and I went over to walk over and we both, he was still asleep. <laughs> he was asleep in there. So we were just like, <clears throat> I was like so confused. And so we woke him up and <laughs> he was like, he like his face, he just like was, he didn't know where he was obviously at first because mm-hmm. he was just in, in the dark and oh, mostly in the dark. And uh, so we kind of figured out that as my dad had gone out to go to the bathroom, which is also in that same hallway, uh, Andrew had come out of my room and sleepwalked over to uh, my dad's room and got in his bed. <laughs> and so then, I don't know, I don't remember if my dad, like, tried to get in bed and saw him or what, because it was probably dark. Yeah, I feel like... felt him or what happened. I need to ask him yeah. when he comes back. Um, <clears throat> you feel like what? Yeah, I feel like it'd be hard, like, if I was... I would feel, I feel like I would have like tried to get back into yeah, bed and then and notice and have been like oh that's a child <laughs> that's a child I mean, this is probably when he was like this was later on and he's still I would say in late teens I would oh really think yeah see I was picturing him like I don't eight no he wasn't a kid he was already taller than me at this point which I mean it wasn't it didn't take much for him because he's mm. just a tall white guy in general and I'm. <laughs> not either any of those things <laughs> but um yeah he would this he was not a kid at this point which is even funnier um so i told that at the you know at the wedding and got a big reaction and we all laughed about it i talked to his parents after i asked if they had heard the story and mm-hmm. um and they said no <laughs> so i'm like yeah he probably was I don't know. He probably didn't bring it up because it was so embarrassing, but also just like, it's really funny. Like I knew he wouldn't mind me telling it because it's not like he meant to do any of that. It's just like something funny that happened. So, um, and pretty soon my dad's going to be coming. He visits, he he lives in Mexico now. So he visits every couple times a year. And so we're going to have to bring that up to him and, (laughs) and ask him if he remembers how he woke up or like how he discovered he was there. But yeah, just crazy timing how that happened because he's not even known to sleepwalk at all, which makes yeah. it even stranger. Like I don't, I think that's the only time, yeah. in, in his recollection too. So I kind of brought it like when I, I I looked over at him, I'm like, you, we still don't know well, what happened, I mean, right? And he's Michelle like, no. hasn't, hasn't said anything. Like if right. anyone knows, yeah, maybe Michelle her. would know. Um, so yeah, that's what I told at the wedding, and uh, we had a great time. It was pretty much the first kind of real thing I remember yeah. doing, you know, maskless with, you know, we're vaccinated now and we're careful. And so <laughs> it's pretty cool. That was fun. I'm looking forward to ours later in the year and the I have my sisters coming up and we can try to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that can wrap that up. That was, that was plenty for that. <laughs> um, let's go ahead yeah, and get in. food now. Yeah, let's get into Mindy Tries It, because I know you're, she's been salivating in front of me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like an, Prince it, after he drinks water. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's it's really bad. Um, <laughs> so I have an interesting one that I, I didn't see before. Oh, okay. Um, I actually should try to open it real quick, like off. I'll close my eyes, please. Yeah, okay. Okay, you can, you can open them. Okay. Okay, so these are... Okay, so these are Hokkaido red bean donuts. Okay. They were in a sealed package, so they should be all right, even though they've been around for a while. Describe what what it looks like. It just looks like a brown ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a... Like when a chef's... uh, Like a donut hole. Yeah, well, I was trying to make a South Park reference with the oh, chef's yeah. salty... Suck on my chocolate salty balls. Mm, it smells like chocolate. 
Oh, does it? Yeah. Maybe it is, Chef. Oh, so these delicious donuts are filled with Enko red bean paste made with azuki beans from Hokkaido. I like red bean paste. Comforting and rich. They're a perfect snack for colder weather. Mm, not, not today. Not today, but... <laughs> so the flavor just says sweet. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you want to go ahead and take a bite? Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is Mindy tries it, so let's get your reaction first, and then I'll try it. soft. Good. It's good. Okay, inside it looks like it's dark brown. Yeah, there's the red, red uh, bean paste, but I don't really taste it. It just tastes like a donut. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of soft. Yeah. Um. And it, yeah, it just feels. It's like, very soft. Yeah. It's but good. When you, but when you bite into it, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of. It just looks like some kind of a uh, little corn dog piece or something. It, it, yeah, it's just a. It seems just like a donut to me. All right. I'm gonna try it. There's a lot of like breading. Mm-hmm. What what is red bean paste like? Is it used for? I mean, it's used for a lot of things. Like it's hard to like pinpoint exactly like a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's in a lot of pastries. A lot of um, Japanese food has red bean paste. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, it tastes good to me. It it makes you need to drink. Yeah, it's, it's very it's dry. Like very dry, but it's good. Give yeah. it. You want to give it a thumbs up? Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. Like, I wouldn't nope. seek this out or go buy it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I want to go seek it out, but if someone like offered it to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll have it. I'm sure I'll take a Hokkaido red bean donut. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, that is from the book Booksu Box. That is still not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we still have a few more that we can try in the coming weeks. So Sweet. we'll f- figure out what we'll do next week. All right, so let's get to our topic today. We are on um, episode 91, Inventions. Um, So we're going to be talking about that because I found something. I kind of stumbled across it um, Mm -hmm. before, you know, and I brought it up to you. And I'm I'm sure you could find something in the past that was invented. So uh, we'll get to yours a little bit later. Um, Let's go ahead first, as we always do, and talk about a Florida woman in Questioning Florida. So, this one's right up the atypically topical alley <laughs> when you just hear the headline. Okay. This is from clickorlando.com from April of last year. So, this is like pretty much um, a month into the pandemic. Okay. Remember, it was March 2020 when I was... Yeah. 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 Okay. Headline. Florida woman put 400 Easter eggs filled with porn in mailboxes. Easter eggs? <laughs> yes. Wait, how does she put porn into little eggs? Easter eggs, you know, the kind that open up. Yeah, but what what kind of porn is she putting in there? NFTs. Because I remember um, when I went to Vegas one time, um, it wasn't when we went, mm-hmm. um, there were like be men on the street giving out cards of like naked women. <laughs> is that what she's putting in these Easter well, eggs? Maybe that, yeah, you might be on something. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, it's not, it's not just going to be like, Porn is comes in a lot of uh, medias. That's just true. Porn comes in many forms. Cartoon, video, um, magazine, magazine. Um, what else is there? Audio. I mean, I guess it could be audio. <laughs> if you're porn. blind, you gotta. I mean, that's true. Yeah, think about the blind community. How yeah. they enjoy porn. Blind people still have to jerk it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's get into it. <laughs> 
Sorry if I offended any of you guys. <laughs> All right, multiple. We respect uh, I know. everyone it's, in the blind it's community. It's for the joke. It's for the joke. Multiple Flagler County. I don't know how to say it. It's Flag L E R. Flagler, Flagler. Mm. Doesn't matter. County residents recently found little plastic Easter eggs placed inside their mailboxes. But instead of being filled with treats, the eggs were hiding pornographic images and fish shaped crackers. Which I don't know why they can't just say goldfish. We all know that's right. It's, Wait, it's copyright. Every farm. I mean, it's a news story. <laughs> I'm not gonna like sue you for. Or right. maybe it's a generic version of maybe. goldfish. Yeah, fish shaped crackers. But that's okay. Just, just called like Goldies or something. <laughs> Those rip off like uh, market brand ones. Yeah. Authorities say a Florida woman is responsible. Mm. Jail records show April Sistoni. It's like April, but with a B. Mm. Was arrested. Early, yeah, I don't <laughs> like that. Was arrested early Thursday after deputies received tips that a woman was going around a neighborhood placing the pornographic eggs in mailboxes. Deputies said that based on the tips they received and home surveillance video, they were able to conduct traffic uh, conduct a traffic stop on Sistoni, mm. who later admitted to making the porn on a computer program. Which that. What does that mean? <laughs> How I do you make porn on a computer program? I mean, like it's, Photoshop. <laughs> I guess. I mean, can't you just like print existing? <laughs> like, it just sounds weird. Well, maybe she wanted to be creative with it. Like, maybe <laughs> each egg she wanted to put a different woman or man in. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just. Uh, struck me as I, I, I'm just odd. very co- I'm just very confused as the motive and yeah also, I'll get into that okay go ahead then and also what I was gonna say also why are there snacks <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of questions this, so is, this is the it's like the point is enough to be yeah. in the egg but then you add snacks like those gold <laughs> here those- is the essence of questioning Florida which is how we started this segment in the first place um, I have a lot lots of questions, questions. okay alright deputies said um Deputy said they determined Sistoni worked at a Publix grocery store nearby and would deliver the eggs after her shift ended. Publix, I think, is like a... It's like a grocery store. Yeah. Southeast... uh, I've heard of Publix. Yeah. Sistoni told deputies she put messages inside the eggs because she said she wanted to educate people on the need for churches and pastors to give money to the less fortunate. Wait. (laughs) That's even... I have even more questions. (laughs) I know. And also that logic doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to. Um, <laughs> April stated that she was, quote, a church and had a business license. Wait, she, she was a church? She was a church. That's what it says. So she believes she's the institution or the building? Uh, maybe all of the above. The physical building? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that she had a business license and that she was conducting research on local clergy and people deserve to know the truth. What truth are you talking about? I'm <laughs> that there are there's porn out there. Here it is. <laughs> Don't look at it. Okay. <laughs> but this is I'm I'm showing you what it is so you know what not to look for. Avoid this. Do not open. Um she certainly has this is the sheriff. She certainly has a bizarre and almost ze- zealous opinion of churches and what they should believe in and how they should teach the teachings of the Bible. Mm-hmm. 
Body camera video shows. Is there like a part of the Bible that I know I don't know about where <laughs> Jesus like gave porn to his followers <laughs> and was like, "Hey, don't look at this." <laughs> and on the seventh day, he rested, but not before distributing porn to his, <laughs> to his shepherds in the fields. Body camera video shows she said she's not a fanatic, which <laughs> I don't hmm. know about that. According to records. She delivered 400 of the porn-filled eggs in total since Monday. I mean, that that takes quite a lot of work. <laughs> work ethic, yeah. Yeah. Um, our team did a great job in tracking this deranged defender down, <laughs> deranged defender, and taking her into custody, they said. Oh, was the, the fish snack thing? Was that because... <laughs> You're still the, on the fish. Did you, well, Jesus. Oh, a Jesus thing? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe it was like a Jesus brand, because it's like that symbol, you know? Mm-hmm. It just looks like that, yeah. You might as well put a Eucharist in there, too. <laughs> Maybe. A little drop of wine. In each of these <laughs> cases, residents reported noticing that the flag on their mailbox was in the up position. And when they checked to see why, they found the egg. So she just, like, made us, like, she made sure they would notice. Mm-hmm. Which contained a fish-shaped cracker, a sheet of toilet paper, a powdered drink mix, and a crumbled-up pornographic image. <laughs> Crumbled-up. <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> What is yeah, her, this is the most. What is her Florida mindset right now? Story I've ever read. Wait, because I had okay. The goldfish, not the the goldfish. It's not goldfish. Um, it, it has um toilet paper. Yeah, as a powdered drink mix. Like Kool Aid. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And a crumbled up, a crumbled up porn image. So you have so, to like unwrinkle it. And, so. Did she? Yeah, well, no, she got. She made it from a computer program. So that yeah. So that means she printed it out and then crumpled it herself so it could fit in the egg. Yeah. Along with all those. This is this is the most engaged you've ever been in the questioning Florida segment, <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so. I'm just very confused. It's a pretty bizarre case, Sheriff Staley said. So Stony like this. Her her first charge is um so she, a couple things. She's criminal mischief. No, I like that one, but that's not what this one yeah, is. I mean. Her, it's just funny because it's, it's unrelated. Her first charge was violating the statewide stay-at-home order oh. by the Florida, because this was remember yeah. like a month in. Um, and then at least 11 counts of distributing obscene material. Yeah. So she was being held on $7,000 bond. And this is a case where I'd like you to pull up uh, Facebook so I can show you her picture. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to guess the age after the picture, which is always fun. Most of the time it's before, but I like to kind of see mm. how old you think she is, just because it might be interesting. Well, because, okay, because her hair is gray, but she doesn't have a lot of wrinkles. Okay. Kind of putting some clues together. And if you want to look at this image, um, find it. Florida woman guess... put 400 Easter eggs of porn. Google that. <laughs> I'm going to say she's like... 33. Oh, wow. You went a lot lower. She's 42. 42? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were, you, you thought she's younger than I am or the same age, I guess. Well, I, maybe she's one of those people that like <laughs> is really immediately is, gray hair yeah. when she's like 24. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. She does not have wrinkles pretty like, but yeah, she her has, skin is like great. Like I mean, kudos. Like what's your skin great. routine? Let's not go that far. <laughs> but yeah, her hair is, uh, a whole different situation. It's like white up top and blonde on the roots. Yeah. Or not roots. The tips? The tips. The yeah, ends, the roots the are ends. like this. Yeah, yeah, I knew that wasn't right when I said it. Um, okay, so let's quickly go over her Florida woman score. She has the mugshot, obviously, five points. 
they actually have Publix specifically three points oh. mentioned. <laughs> um, and there's nothing for distributing obscene material, but I'm going to go ahead and give her disorderly conduct because that's the closest thing. That is two, mm-hmm. and so she has a total of ten. Okay, not bad. Yeah. Not the highest, but... There's, yeah, there's nothing for putting, uh, you know, crackers and toilet paper in a mailbox on this list, but maybe one day. Yeah. She can be the pioneer <laughs> of it. If it happens more than once. Yeah. All right, so now let's jump into the topic, conventions. Um with this one, did you have something in mind already, or are you just kind of were yeah, researching? Yeah, it's something that I wanted to talk about, but it just the topic was never like close to what it's about. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, maybe last week, but I wanted to talk about Lafayette because he was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, so this is about Ignace Semmelweis. Okay, so Samuel Wise was born July 1st, 1818, in what is today Budapest. Okay, no wonder I had no idea what like nationality that name would have yeah, been. Yeah, it's like European. Um, um, there's nothing to know about his childhood like I do with my other stories. Okay. He's normal. Yeah, jumping into his adult. Yeah, so we're going to skip to when he became a doctor. <laughs> okay. Um, he was awarded his Doctor of Medicine degree in 1844 at the age of 26. Hmm. Then he decided to um, specialize um, in... I'm going to say this wrong. <laughs> at least you know her. It's, it's, I don't really talk about it often because it has to do with childbirth. Obstetrics? Oh. Ooh. Uh, like an obstetrician? It's obst- yeah, it's like an obstetrician. I know how to say that word, but obstetrics? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it's a, a hard study. One. Whatever. He's, he- aesthetics. Aesthetics. <laughs> Let's Phys- you can call it aesthetics, this sure. whole article, if it comes up again. Okay. Obstetrics. <laughs> I need to see it. I need to read it. Yeah. Um, basically. We all know what we're talking about, guys. Yeah, basically, like. The science of the medicine and surgery with childbirth and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was appointed to the assistant of the professor, uh, Johan Klan, at the first obstetrical clinic in Vienna <laughs> General Hospital on July 1st, 1846. So while he was over there, um, his duties were to examine patients each morning in preparation for the professor's rounds, mm-hmm. um, supervise difficult deliveries, um, and Teach students to be, um, uh, teach the students that are trying to be doctors yeah. and to be a clerk of records. It wasn't long before Semmelweis start, uh, started to notice a troubling pattern at the hospital. Oh. Um, and that was high maternal m- mortality rates. Mm, yeah. Um, so there were two birthing wards at the hospital, basically. So the one was the midwife ward. So, you know, women would give, would give birth with help of the midwives and then the physician ward. So the physician would help with the birth. Um, and at the time, uh, midwives were starting to be replaced by doctors um, because of their advanced techniques that they would know about. Um, and so they would kind of like seen as above midwives because well, of yeah. that. They're oh. men. So. Yeah, it's going to be that. That's remember all that comment. Yeah, I know. I, I already know. Um, not uh, saying I, I'm not saying that's my opinion, but I know how this time yeah. period is, and also now. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, Semmelweis noticed higher mortality rates among women who had physician-assisted births than those assisted by midwives. Mm, okay, that shouldn't be. The physician's ward 
maternal death rates climbed as high as 18% and never fell below 13%. Yikes. On the other hand... Just a basic birth? Just dying almost one-fifth of the time? Yeah, I don't know why you would have children at this time. I know, You have an 18 to 13% chance of dying if you're doing... (laughs) Or even 13 to 18, yeah. Yeah. Um, On the other hand, the mortality rate remained about 2% in the midwife ward. Okay, that's that's better, yeah. So Semmelweis was like, why is this happening? And also because the doctors were like, okay, so they're the doctors that are the like more educated. So why are more women dying under them than the midwives? It seems like a disconnect there. Yeah, so he decided to launch an investigation on that. During his investigation, he found the primary cause of the high mortality rate in the maternity wards was a disease called uh, puperal fever. It's also known as childbed fever. Um, I actually hear a lot about the disease because I really like royal history and things like <laughs> yeah. that. And a lot of the people that give birth die because of childbed fever. Yikes. So um, this disease caused abdominal pain, fever, and delirium. Um, childbed fever was so common in the hospital that expected mothers took it, took it to calling it the doctor's plague. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, patients would often lie on their back, appearing lethargic, and other symptoms included labored breathing, a white tongue, and a pulse as high as 140 beats per minute. Jesus. Yeah, it's not good. A white tongue? <laughs> the hell? You know, I, I remember uh, my sister got a black tongue one time after taking Pepto-Bismol. I still don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just an aside. Yeah, just an aside. Uh, we need to ask her about that. <laughs> that might be an issue. Uh, she remembers. I'm sure she remembers. I'm, like, I'm trying to think what pink, what you'd have to mix with pink to be to turn black, but it would probably just be black and dark yeah. black. I don't know. I, Nothing I rem- misses with I, I think she was taking the tablets. So I don't know something with the tablets because <laughs> I used to take the liquid Pepto-Bismol which yeah. was super gross and would make me throw a pink instead of making Maybe me Maybe she just like, had licorice and forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, where was I? Okay, worst of all, Childbed fever was often fatal. As many as 80% of the affected women would perish from the disease. 80? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much screwed if you get it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, after a few years of collecting data, his suspicions of the high mortality rate were supported. Physician-assisted births led to higher mortality rates. He noted that similar situations were happening in other hospitals in America and Europe. Women were 20 times more likely to die while giving birth in the hospital, while um, while home births typically resulted in less than a 1% mortality rate. Hmm. So basically, you yeah, give you birth at home. Well, do it at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why was that happening? Before, doctors used to begin their day working in the autopsy room. After working there, barehanded, doctors went straight to the maternity uh, ward, and on the way, um, they did not stop to wash their hands. Wow. I mean, I, I, don't, I wonder if that was common practice by then? Yeah, it was. was. Okay. Well, yeah, it was. What the fuck are they thinking? I'll get into it. It's like when you're like using a cutting board with raw chicken, and you just <laughs> throw something else on there. Yeah. But way worse. <laughs> but way worse, because people died. <laughs> yeah. Well, women died. Yeah, right. And probably children as well. 
Um, Some wives thought exposing pregnant women to cadaverous matter was the cause of the childbed fever due to the fact that midwives never did autopsies, and both doctor and medical students did them regularly. Yeah, it's a pretty solid assumption. Yeah, so the evidence implied that physicians might have been responsible for spreading the, the disease. So he decided to test his theory by um, instituting a hand-washing procedure in the maternity mm-hmm. ward. Similarwise asked physicians and students to wash their hands before performing autopsies and regular exams. The doctors used a, a chloride slime. slime. <laughs> I'm sorry. He is Nickelodeon slime. <laughs> the doctors used a chloride lime solution to clean their hands. Okay. It's a strong disinfectant yeah. created from treating uh, slack lime and, and chlorine. Mm-hmm. Um, the 19th century equivalent of using a powerful bleach soap. Its base components are still used in laundry detergents and bleach today. This new hygienic practice, um, I'm sorry, with this new hygienic practice in place, the test saw immediate positive results. <laughs> Simmelweiss's hand washing protocol worked. The death rate plummeted to 2%. Oh, wow. Closer, to, like, yeah. closer to the mortality rates of the midwife right. ward. Um, That's all it was. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. If doctors not washing their hands wasn't bad enough, doctors at the time didn't disinfect their instruments after using them. Jesus. Many physicians didn't accept the germ theory of disease at the time. God. Bloody Abe, Brendan, and Frox um, were signs of experience among surgeons. Um, there, was, <laughs> <laughs> there was simply no constant of germs or the role of poor <laughs> hygiene practices played in spreading infection. Wow. I guess you got to start somewhere. I guess. Maybe if it was just a nobody knew about it, then this is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, author and medical historian, her name is Lindsay Fitzharris, told The Atlantic in 2017, quote, Doctors never washed their instruments or their hands. The operating tables themselves were rarely washed down. These places became a sort of a slow-moving um, execution of a patient. <laughs> yeah. Because they would develop these post-operative infections that would kill them, sometimes mm-hmm. within days, sometimes within months. Yeah. So, yeah. After his hand-washing regimen significantly reduced the mortality rate, several wives had doctors wash their medical instruments, too. Doing so dropped the mortality rate to 1% and made the hospital one of the safest in Europe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this is where the shitty... Oh, no. Well, yeah. Damn it, I thought it was over. She took a sip for this one. Yeah, you need it. (laughs) While he did prove the mortality rate dropped as soon as doctors began washing their hands regularly, it didn't exactly sit well with other medical professionals. Oh my god, here we go. Fucking deniers. Some anti vaxxers. (laughs) Original. Yeah. Semmelweis met opposition when he brought his findings to a superior, a Professor Klein. He didn't believe in Semmelweis's hand-cleaning theory, suggesting that the mortality problems were related to the new ventilation system in the hospital. Jesus Christ, man. Because, at the time, doctors subscribed to the Mesema theory of disease, in which people believe foul odors or bad air Mesema were the primary causes of disease. You know what <laughs> people's problems are in all these stories and in mm-hmm. life, yes, and just in general, are their own pride and they not being able to accept that they might not know something. Oh, 
I'll get into that. <laughs> Trust me. Okay, I'm just. This applies now. This applied in 18 whatever this was. This applied in BC 600. Yeah. Yeah. It's I- just people don't. They can't just accept like you. You want to go to an expert about something. That maybe you don't know it. Maybe it's like, okay, let's hear them out. And then if it works out, awesome. Then, okay, I learned something. Mm-hmm. But people just want to be like, no, it's the foul odor or whatever the <laughs> hell this guy's talking about. Or it's, you know, okay, just go. Okay. All right, that was my rant. Um, doctors rejected the idea they might be responsible for spreading the disease. Before long, Semmelweis met with a clear opposition to his ideas from other doctors as well. On May 15, 1850, he gave a speech um, to the Vienna Medical Society de- uh, detailing his findings. Some doctors didn't like the idea because they felt Semmelweis was in- insinuating that they were dirty or of lower class. <laughs> Others didn't like... Or he's just trying to fucking save women's lives. Yeah. Others didn't like the idea that midwives might be better than doctors, completely upending Victorian social and gender norms. Uh, and one American obstetrician um, openly mocked Semmelweis, saying, quote, Doctors are gentlemen, and gentlemen's hands are clean. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fucking Ted Cruz of the... <laughs> That time period. Yeah, and he's American too, so <laughs> not looking not looking great for us. Um, many physicians were offended by his findings and refused to wash their hands. <laughs> I'm not wearing a mask anywhere. <laughs> this, this is we're just repeating history, man. <laughs> I'm learning so much that about how nothing just nothing changes really unless um, somebody actually re- revolutionary can get enough momentum with their. You basically just told the story, and that's it. Okay, yeah, let's go to my yeah. story now. Some <laughs> <laughs> uh, even tried to sabotage his hand washing regimen, even in the face of overwhelming empirical evidence. Oh, fucking God, of science, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar too. Yeah. Um, for the next several years, his pleas for, for physicians to wash their hands fell in, on deaf ears. It didn't help that he had quality data but didn't fully understand germs. Hmm. His peers demanded to know how his post-mortem, how, how a postmortem could harm other patients. His critics pushed him to explain, and, to explain how and why, but he struggled to respond in a meaningful way. Instead, Semmelweis went on the offensive, attacking his critics <laughs> at every opportunity. Okay. He wrote scolding letters to other obstetricians. Nice. One brief note read, quote, You her professor, you have been a partner in this, mess demi- in this mass demise of patients. Nice. Another letter addressed his, um, I'm sorry, another letter addressed the sabotage of his hand-washing protocols. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, Semmelweis wrote, quote, you the fuck? <laughs> should you or Hofgirth that's a guy without having this proof my doctrine continue to train your pupils against it and declare before God and <laughs> the world that you are a murderer and oh, the history shit. of the childbed fever would not be unjust to you if it uh, m- memorialized you as a medical Nero Nero. Nero, like Nero. Remember that one story did on Nero? He was like crazy. 
Oh, put, put, that... that like killed a bunch of people yeah. and like put oh, his shit. his horse in, in the Senate yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's comparing him to Nero. <laughs> okay, nice, nicely done. <laughs> I mean, check out that episode, by the yeah, way. I don't even know which one it was. But... That's with Hannah and Mark. Oh, okay. Oh, it was the dark psychology. Yeah, I yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't get. They're saying like how and why, but there's the two percent. There's the data right there. Yeah, it doesn't matter how it's happening. If he's right and his people are not dying because of it, well, again, then we'll figure that out later. Well, again, and and I guess in the 1800s, it's hard to understand that germs like these little microscopic things can cause infection and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's hard to understand it because you don't have an open mind about it. There's stuff we don't know now and then people are going to come out with like research about it and then it's going to be like, oh, okay, well this is the direct effect of this happening but then there's going to be like, oh, well I already know everything so I'm going to not do it. In fact, I'm going to sabotage it. Basically. Yeah. I'll get into that right now. Please. Although things would change significantly only a decade or so later, Semmelweis faced heavy criticism for his ideas, but continued to believe in his cause for the rest of his life. All of this took a toll on Semmelweis, yeah. and his rage spun out of control. Oh no. Rage? Rage, okay. yeah. He eventually angered many physicians, resulting in the loss of his job at the Vienna General Hospital. Hmm. Afterward, he returned to his native Hungary to promote handwashing. In 1861, he finally published his studies and proposed his hand-washing method to save women's lives. Of course, he also publicly named and attacked each of his critics at the same time. Um, His work would ultimately lay the foundation for modern hygiene, Mm -hmm. and despite its toll and lack of recognition, Semmelweis later wrote in his 1861 book, quote, Everything was in question. Everything seemed inexplicable. Everything was doubtful. Only a large number of deaths was unquestion was the unquestionable reality. It has made me so miserable that life <laughs> seems so worthless. So fucking sad, man. Yeah. After enduring the scorn and rejection of his colleagues, Semmelweis's behavior became erratic. <laughs> I he, mean, mine was at this point. Yeah. He I, be- mine, mine is right now. <laughs> <laughs> He became depressed and started drinking heavily. Okay. You already started doing that before. Yeah, no, I'm doing it now. Yeah. In 1865, possibly suffering from Alzheimer's, Semmelweis was committed to a mental institution. While there, he was treated by being placed in a straitjacket, doused with cold water, and given castor oil as a laxative. Castor oil? Yeah. What the hell is that? It's a thing. I thought that was an auto... (laughs) I, I think it was used like in the olden times <laughs> before. Like, yeah, yeah. that's a brand of motor oil or something. <laughs> I don't know. You look it up. Um, <laughs> when he realized where he was and tried to leave, he was beaten by the guards. Semmelweis had been there only for two weeks when he died of a gangrenous infection on his right hand, a wound that mm. might have been caused by the beating. <laughs> oh my God. Slight infection. So... How did inventions turn into this? This topic I thought it was safe from your wrath. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no topic is safe. <laughs> oh my god! Um, the entire medical. Okay, so he died. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Okay, Angry, so yeah, 
Let me go to the next part. Um, the entire medical landscape changed in the late 1800s. Um, this guy named Louis Pasteur, Joseph Lister, and other germ theory pioneers provided evidence, evidence of germs and how they spread infection. Suddenly, the missing piece of Semmelweis's puzzle fell into place. Oh. It became clear that physicians were spreading bacteria from post-mortem bodies to their living patients. Oh, I wish somebody had said that before! <laughs> Sadly, the theory didn't hold until after <laughs> Semmelweis is tracked to ending. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Of course it did, because that's only the worst possible scenario. Yeah. I and mean, the way he died wasn't great either. I know. Um, with the theory <laughs> firmly established, hand washing became the norm. Dismissed during his era, Semmelweis continues to hold an important place in medical history. Okay, yeah. Often celebrated for his contribution to modern hygiene, he wasn't the first doctor to suggest hand washing to stop the spread of infection, but he undoubtedly um, was one of the most important. Yeah. Semmelweis is now known as a pioneer for antiseptic policy, with several universities and medical institutions bearing his name. There was even a Hungarian postage stamp honoring him oh, a century after his death. <laughs> a century after? Yeah. I mean, it's better like, like ever, 1970-something. Yeah. Uh, but the strangest thing bearing his name is a phrase that you might use later on. It's called, Bearing his name? Yeah. It's the called... Semmelweis? Oh. Yeah, the Semmelweis reflex. Oh, okay. No. Have you heard of that? No. Um, this phrase... It basically labels a, per- a person's tendency to reject new evidence or knowledge because it contradicts established norms. Of I was about to guess something like that. Yeah. And that's what I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I know what everybody's doing. It's the Samoa-wise reflex. How do you spell his name? It's S-E-M-M-E-L-W-E-I-S-S. Samoa-wise. Okay. Samoa-wise. All right. So, Yeah. That's uh, Ignis Semmelweis. Wow. That was quite a journey. I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> I knew you'd uh, I felt all the emotions. Hate, hate and enjoyed that story. <laughs> I, both are accurate. Very, very well done. Yes. Okay, I'm glad I have more of a, an uplifting story to end this episode. All right, so I, here I have a story that you might know. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. Mm. I don't want to say the title of this article that I got it from. This is from thehustle.co. Um, but here we go. This is from a November 2017 article. Okay. And, um, okay. So on an early morning in the late 1980s, a group of the highest powered executives at Frito-Lay gathered in a California conference room to hear what Richard Montañez had to say. He didn't share their pedigree. He wasn't an executive. He had no fancy degree. He had a fourth grade level education and couldn't read or or write. Montañez was a janitor, but he was a janitor with an idea, an idea that would make the company billions of dollars and become one of the history's one of history's most celebrated and iconic snack foods. Oh, okay. But first, he had to convince the world to hear him out. You have a guess already? Okay, he's a Latino dude. Yeah. And it's 1990, right? Uh, this was in the 1980s. 1980s. In the late 1980s. I'm gonna guess. I actually put here in parentheses any guesses because I thought you might want to. Definitely a, not hot Cheetos or anything like that. Okay. I'm gonna guess Doritos. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Um, 
He grew up in the 1960s in Guasti, California. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Which is a tiny unincorporated farming town uh, east of L.A. Under the sweltering Cucamonga Valley sun, his family, uh, which was his mother, father, grandfather, and 11 children, Dang. Sc- yeah, scraped together a meager living picking grapes and slept together in a one-room cinder block abode at the labor camp. As a first-generation Mexican immigrant at an all-white school, he had access to a few resources and struggled to understand his teachers. He said, I remember my mom getting me ready for school and I was crying. I couldn't speak English. Yeah. Yes. After dropping out of school, he worked the fields in 110-degree uh, heat oh, shit. and took on odd jobs, slaughtering chickens at a poultry factory, washing cars, and picking weeds. With a fourth-grade-level education and few economic few economic opportunities, Montañez saw no path out of poverty. Then in 1976, a neighbor told him about a job opening that would change his life. Um, in Rancho Cucamonga, the Frito-Lay plant was looking for a janitor. He decided he was going to be, quote, the best janitor Frito-Lay had ever seen. <laughs> and he quickly made his presence known. So he got well, the job. Can I, can I shout out to uh, our custodian? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, that works in one of our buildings. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. Like, he, make co- he makes coffee, gives us, like, yeah, like lay out snacks for us. Oh, the really? Day. Yeah, he's pretty cool. What's his name? Um, oh <laughs> <laughs> That's not great for no, a well, shout Well, because well, well, here's the thing. I, I hardly ever go to that building. Oh, okay. but, uh, but every time I Just, go. Okay. Every time like, I go, there's coffee, there's snacks, well. there's masks. Okay, just to shout out for his job. Yeah, just okay. in general. I, right. I mean, our other custodians are pretty awesome, too, but... This is that specific he, one. Yeah, he, he goes above and beyond. All right. Um, so he quickly made his presence known. Every time someone walked into a room, it would smell fresh, he says. <laughs> I realize there's no such thing as just a janitor when you believe you're going to be the best. Montañez okay. also developed a philosophy that it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. He's like so full of wisdom for like... Not having an education. Which uh, is, hey, like I always know. say, if if you work in any building, be nice to your custodians. One, because you shouldn't be an asshole in the first place to them. Cause, but two, they keep your shit clean for you. And they like know how to get shit. So if you're nice to them, they'll probably help you out. I'm sorry, you do always say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, in between shifts, he set out to make himself seen, learning as much as he could about the company's products, spending time in the warehouse, and watching the machines churn out crunchy snacks in the lonely midnight hours. And eventually, his insatiable curiosity would pay off. By the mid-1980s, Frito-Lay had fallen on tough times. As a way to boost morale, the CEO recorded a video message and sent it to the company's 300,000 employees. In the video... He encouraged every worker at the company to act like an owner. Most employees brushed it off as a management cliche, but Montañez took it to heart. Here's my invitation. Here's the CEO telling me, the janitor, that I can act like an owner, he recalled. I didn't know what I was going to do, didn't need to, but I knew I was going to act like an owner. So, like, even as a janitor, he's like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's That's that uh, Mexican work ethic. <laughs> yeah. um, so, after nearly a decade mopping floors... Montañez gathered the courage to ask one of the Frito-Lay salesmen if he could tag along and learn more about the process. They went to a convenience store in a Latino neighborhood, and while the salesman restocked inventory, he made an observation. I saw our products on the shelves, and they were all plain. 
Lay's Fritos Ruffles, he recalls, and right next to these chips happened to be a shelf of Mexican spices. In that moment, he realized that Frito-Lay had nothing spicy or hot. A few weeks later, he stopped at a local vendor to get some elote, which they define in this. I'll do this for the people that might not know what it is, but it's kind of like a slap in the face to us. (laughs) Which is the Mexican street corn doused in chili powder, salt, lime juice, and uh, crema fresca. I guess there's more uh, stuff that could be in there. I mean, I, I usually put uh, mayonnaise, <laughs> yeah. lime, there's more, salt, there's a lot of chili stuff powder, can, yeah, well, uh, Parmesan cheese. Parmesan cheese, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of things you can put into it. Butter, maybe. Um, yeah. But know. it's good shit. If you haven't had a lote, go, yeah. go to your nearest uh, Mexican... <laughs> Mexican uh, uh, vendor. <laughs> uh, ...truck, if, if you have those in your area, and get some... All right, so here's You're welcome in advance. (laughs) Here's where we're going to reveal what he came up with. With the elote in hand, a revelation struck. What if I put chile on a Cheeto? Introduced to the world in 1948. But were you thinking it was hot Cheetos? Well, because I was thinking he's a Mexican guy, likes spicy food. But I thought maybe Flamin' Hot... Uh, Cheetos was okay. something like later on. Later that on, happened. okay, yeah, that might be. Yeah, might have been your reasoning. Yeah, because you said the '80s. So I'm like, I don't remember playing hot Cheetos as a kid or anything. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Introduced to the world in 1948, Cheetos were a flagship product of Frito Lay, and while they were popular among California, um, the company had yet to consider retailoring the product's taste profile. Nobody had given any thought to the Latino market. He said. But everyone, uh, but everywhere I looked, I saw it ready to explode. So Montañez heeded the CEO's words and acted like an owner. Working late one night at the production facility, he scooped up some Cheetos that hadn't yet been dusted in cheese. He took them home, and with the help so of what his, is that then? What's a Cheeto without cheese? Uh, I think they just <laughs> that sounded so like philosophical. <laughs> What's a Cheeto without cheese? <laughs> I think they called it like a like a like a nugget. They described like kind of like they did it with a lot. They they defined what a Cheeto was, oh, okay. but I took it out because we didn't need to know what a Cheeto. But was. I I want to know what a Cheeto is. Cheese. <laughs> it's just like a corn nugget or something. They call it. I don't know. What what? Okay, I'll, I'll Google later. <laughs> yeah, How we have a lot of stuff it? to do later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he took those undusted Cheetos home. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> okay, sorry. I sometimes I get like yeah. laugh attacks. Yeah, you're getting some Google fits. Can you put that on like silent? Okay, sorry. Go ahead. He took them home, and with the help of his wife, he covered them in his own concoction of chili powder and other secret spices. So yeah, he was kind of doing a homemade version of it. Mm-hmm. When he handed them out to family members and friends, they were met with universal enthusiasm. Obviously, <laughs> he just needed a bigger audience. So he called the CEO. I was naive, he said. I didn't know you weren't supposed to call the CEO. I didn't know the rules. <laughs> um, well, I feel like if he cleans the CEO's office, he'd be like, hey, bro, you owe me. I Well, I mean, yeah. I guess he paid for it, but still. But I don't think he, he was in the same building as the actual CEO. Oh, okay. I don't think. So he found his number. It was listed in the company directory. He rang the line, and he was put through to the assistant. Mrs., uh, Mr. Enrico's office, that's the CEO. Mm. Who is this? Uh, Richard Montañez. What division are you, are you with? California. You're the VP overseeing California? 
No, I work at the Rancho. I, I work at the Rancho Cucamonga plant. Oh, so you're the VP of operations? No, I work inside the plant. You're the plant manager? No, I'm the janitor. So <laughs> he went back and forth. After that, the assistant paused for what seemed like an eternity. One moment. Then a voice on the other line. Hello, this is Roger, the CEO. Uh, Montanez, Montanez told the CEO he'd heeded the call to action. He had studied the company's products, identified a demand, and even crafted his own snacks in his kitchen. Enrico loved the ingenuity. He told the janitor he'd be at the plant in two weeks and asked him to prepare a presentation. Mm. Moments after he hung up the phone... He's like, oh shit, how am I going to do this? I know. <laughs> That'd plant, be me. <laughs> yeah. Moments after Montañez hung up the phone, the plant manager stormed up to him. He said, who do you think you are? Who let the janitor call the CEO? Then he said, you're doing this presentation. Montañez was 26 years old. In his words, he couldn't read or write very well and had no knowledge about how to formulate a business proposal. <laughs> but he wasn't about to give up. Accompanied by his wife, he went to the library, found a book on marketing strategies, and copied the first five paragraphs word for word into transparencies. <laughs> this is like back when that was a yeah. thing. At home, he filled 100 plastic baggies with his homemade treats, sealed them with a clothing iron, and manually drew a logo and design on each package. <laughs> this is like some... Some, work ethic shit right yeah. here on the day of the presentation he bought a three dollar tie black with blue and red stripes and had his neighbor nod it for him he stepped into the boardroom at one point during the presentation an executive in the room interjected how much market share do you think you can get <laughs> it hit me <laughs> that i had no idea what he was talking about or what it's, i was doing i would be like three ten? <laughs> three point ten thousand <laughs> yeah <laughs> just looking at their reactions yeah um i was shaking and i damn near wanted to pass out but i opened my arms and i said this much market share like you do like i yeah. love you this much i didn't know how ridiculous that looked <laughs> the room went silent as the ceo stood up and smiled ladies and gentlemen do you realize we have an opportunity to go after this much market share he said stretching out his <laughs> arms i like how he is yeah at least but- he he's the one that counts he turned to montanez Put that mop away, you're coming with us. Six months later, with Montañez's help, Frito-Lay began testing flaming Hot Cheetos in small Latino markets in East L.A. If it performed well, they would move forward. If it didn't, they would scratch it and he'd probably return back to being a janitor. Mm -hmm. It seemed there was a group of executives who wanted it to fail, he said. Of course. This is where this part always comes in in every story. Probably a bunch of white assholes. Probably. They thought I got lucky. They were paid big bucks to come up with these ideas, which I mean, <laughs> I get that, but still. They didn't want some janitor to do it, especially a brown one. <laughs> I, I added that in there. So he assembled a small team of family members and friends, went to the test markets, and bought every bag of Hot Cheetos he could find, which is smart. Yeah. And just like, we're going to make it succeed. <laughs> and we all know he has a lot of family members, so yeah. they just like, everybody buy like four I, bags. I mean, you got like, not only just your first cousin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get second cousin. Exactly. You that's got a, like the friend of your tias. Off. Yeah. Yeah. I would tell the owner, man, these are great, he recalled. Next week, I'd come back and there'd be a whole rack. In 1992, Flamin' Hot Cheetos were greenlit for a national release. Well, maybe that's probably why I don't remember them, because yeah. I, I was born. You were born in the last month of that year. Yeah. And in short order, the snack became one of the most successful product launches in Frito-Lay history. Today, they're one of the 
They are one of Frito-Lay's hottest selling commodities, a multi-billion dollar snack celebrated by everyone from Katy Perry to middle to middle schoolers on meal vouchers. I mean, that's what I do to bribe my kids to do my <laughs> tests with them. Exactly, see? It's like, do you want hot Cheetos or do you want Takis? Like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, man, I should have bought like a bag for us to have after this episode. <laughs> oh, man, that'd been perfect. I know. I thought about um, it, but it was kind of late uh, when I, I was like, I didn't know if we were going to record today. Uh, there's even a rap song about Flamin' Hot Cheetos, apparently. Which really? They linked to. Maybe we can watch later. Okay. And Montañez is no longer sweeping floors. Over a 35-year career, he rose through the corporate ranks and is now the vice president of multicultural sales for PepsiCo America. Dang. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a leap. Before he joined the executive team, Frito-Lay had only three Cheeto products. Since then, the company has launched more than how many do you think? Different like Cheetos. 20? More than 20! She's Dang. not even looking at my screen! That's the Mexican just. Just uh, the Mexican ingenuity. In me. <laughs> yeah, ingenuity. <laughs> I don't know if that. Okay. They were, each, they were each worth $300 million plus. Dang. So, so but, he's man, like, I can't believe you nailed that. That was crazy. He's cashing it in. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Recognized by Newsweek and Fortune as one of the most influential Hispanic leaders in America, he's a gifted speaker who often tours the country giving keynotes. And soon, his story will hit the silver screen. Fox Searchlight Pictures is currently working on a biopic about his life, appropriately titled Flamin' Hot, directed by Eva Longoria. Oh, nice. And I looked it up. It's it's in production still, so... Is it Eva or Eva? I say Eva. Okay. I mean, Eva is the Spanish way of saying it, because it's eh. Eva. Sound. Longoria. And both are fine. Okay. So, yeah, that's going to come out. We're going to have to watch that. That's cool. It sounds interesting, based mm-hmm. on the story. He still lives in Ranchacucamonga, where he gives back to his community through a nonprofit he launched and teaches MBA classes at a nearby college. So yeah, nice. that's uh, Montaña's for you. Quite a story from like nothing to VP <laughs> of PepsiCo, man. Uh, Richard cool. Richard Montañez, yeah. Look for that movie coming at some point in the future. So I mean, hard work pays off. But for both of these stories, even though one of them well, went to gangrene's death, he, yeah, I mean, it still helped people one of in the them, future. One of them could experience his success in life; the other one didn't. Yeah, which I mean, that's it's how it happens. But yeah. his legacy and, still lives on. <laughs> yeah, and one tried Otherwise. to save lives, and the other one helped to make lives better. Exactly with snacks. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Go ahead and raise our glasses here. And go grab a refill. Bye. What can you want to treat? Blind people still have to jerk it. <laughs>